When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Today I'm going to talk about a subject related to the UFO phenomenon that, uh, for the most part, it seems to be an afterthought in a lot of uh, cases, a lot of various cases involving uh, UFO encounters. And the, the afterthought uh, is basically the reaction of animals to UFOs. There's been a lot of different cases uh, documented throughout the years, probably in the thousands, where there's been strange reactions from animals when UFOs uh, show up. Uh, and I'm bringing this up because recently I did a podcast, uh, and this was, uh, rec- I guess it was, would have been um, a couple of weeks ago, where I talked about uh, there was a case in Australia uh, that happened in 19, uh, February of 1980, uh, and it involved a UFO being seen in a tree, uh, breaking branches, and then it just disappeared. It took off. Uh, and uh, I, when I was I was talking about this 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 story because I thought it was interesting the idea that a UFO was in a tree. But uh, the afterthought uh, of the entire case involved the the reaction of two dogs, particularly a Great Dane dog that was usually fearless. But uh, when this this UFO showed up, uh, it was scared out of its mind and and actually wouldn't even go near the tree for like uh, weeks afterward. Uh, and and I'm just going to give a, a quick rehash of this story. This was in uh, this happened in February of 1980 in Australia, uh, and uh, there was a guy, a rancher, a ranch hand, a young guy, 21 years old, Daryl Brown. Uh, he was working at this uh, horse ranch called uh, Glenalta Stud, and uh, he was going to retire for the night and watch TV. And, uh, he heard this, th- these dogs outside start barking their heads off. And when he opened the door, they came rushing in the house. Uh, and one of these dogs, a great Dane, uh, was usually fearless. And all of a sudden it's, it's scared out of its gourd. And, uh, <clears throat> here's from the, an article from the Australian post from, uh, March of 1980, it says, uh, he said he, we heard the dogs barking and they were howling like they never, like he never heard them howl before, basically. It says here, it was about 9.45 on Thursday night, Daryl said. I was lying on bed in one of the second story rooms watching television with the children when the two dogs outside started to howl in, in a quite eerie fashion. It was a sound I had never heard from them before. Uh, Less than a minute later, there was a tremendous crashing noise, and I thought a tree had fallen on the house. This seemed rather strange, as there was no wind that night. I raced to the window and looked out, but could see nothing in the darkness. Accompanied by the kids and with a torch in hand, I went downstairs to see what had happened. As soon as I opened the door, the dogs raced inside and sat down, shivering and shaking. One of the dogs is a huge Great Dane that is not easily intimidated." Uh, and there were other a- animal effects. Uh, the, the the object then later disappeared. I'm not going to get into this entire uh, story again because uh, I did talk about it extensively in that previous podcast. Uh, and there, there was another interesting aspect. Some of the horses, the manure, the color of the manure changed for the horses. It says here, uh, there were a few other interesting occurrences that seemed to add to the mystery. All of the horses' manure in the stable the following morning was an unusual black color. It is always golden brown. 
and also one of the rugs on a horse in the paddock had been unbuckled and placed by the gate by someone or something. So I thought that was really interesting. You know, after I did that podcast, I was thinking about the effects on animals, and that's something I wanted to focus on. And when I started doing some research on it, I really didn't find that much. I went online, and uh, there was not much on there about uh, just that focused on uh, animals. Now, there have been different articles published in different kinds of uh, UFO periodicals throughout the years, but uh, there really isn't any book out there except one that I found uh, by Linda Zimmerman, uh, and this was published in 2021 called Animal Reactions to UFOs. And this book is, is really good. This is exactly what I was trying, the kind of information I was looking for after I, I did that episode. And so I was glad that I, I ordered it uh, actually that same day. And uh, I've been reading through this book and it's very interesting. Now, this Linda Zimmerman actually points out that the reason she put this book together because she feels the same way, that there's just not a lot of uh, scientific study into how animals uh, react to UFOs. And this is something that she thinks that uh, basically she can comes to the conclusion that there needs to be more scientists looking into this because this is, you know, animals don't lie. Animals aren't uh, capable of pulling off hoaxes. I mean, if an animal, if something shows up like a UFO and an animal is ex- extremely scared, that means there's actually something happening. There, it, there is a real event. The animal's not going to uh, re- uh, overreact or act strangely because of, uh, of nothing or, or things that it's used to. Uh, and that's what I, I, I find this really interesting. Now, I just want to give you a little taste of this book. She actually starts off with a story, with a case that actually happened in Iowa, uh, Muscatine, Iowa, back in um, 1981, in July of 1981. Uh, and it involved, uh, I'm just going to read a little uh, section from this uh Uh, from this uh, first part uh, of her book. It says, Al Wagner, a 34-year-old toll taker at the Norbert F. Beckley Bridge across the Mississippi River in Muscatine, Iowa, spent long hours on the night shift in his little toll booth. To help pass the time, he would bring carrots to feed the local wild rabbits. Even though he did this every night, the skittish rabbits would run off if he tried to get too close. However, in the early morning hours of July 22, 1981, at 3.10 a.m., something was clearly very wrong. The rabbits didn't move as he approached. Fearing they might all be dead, Wagner went right over to the six rabbits that were stretched out on the concrete, their front and back legs sticking out, completely unresponsive and not moving a muscle, as if they were paralyzed. Trying to comprehend what was happening, he suddenly noticed a light on the Illinois side of the bridge. It was an egg-shaped craft with an orange glow about 30 feet wide and 25 feet tall. As it moved toward the bridge and toward Wagner, a yellow light turned on inside the craft. At first, at an altitude of about 350 feet, it moved in an odd step-like pattern of forward, then up, forward, then up, until it was high enough to clear the top of the bridge by no more than about 10 feet. Uh, Descending toward the water, the strange craft then veered off to the west and disappeared. As it began to move away, Wagner noticed that the yellow light went off. He also noticed that what he described as a whizzing sound. The entire sighting lasted several minutes. And here was a direct comment that he told uh, the Quad City Times newspaper uh, after the event. He says, I don't even believe in UFOs, but I saw something that night that I've never seen before. Wagner had also never seen the rabbits act that way before. After the craft moved off, the rabbits appeared to suddenly revive and they jumped up and scurried off, however, without eating their beloved carrots. Uh, That's just a little taste of this book I wanted to share 
I, I highly recommend it if you're interested in this uh, this topic of animals' reactions to UFOs. This is great stuff, and I'll uh, talk about this a little bit more as we go on here. But uh, it's interesting, the idea that these rabbits that this guy was feeding, these wild rabbits just happened, all six of them lined up, laying on their backs, paralyzed, and the next thing he knows, he sees a UFO, an egg-shaped UFO flying around. Now, this book, she has a whole bunch of uh, different cases like this, and horses, chickens, you know, dogs, cats, I mean, everything that works, even insects it gets into. There was uh, sometimes insects go quiet and don't act, don't make any sounds for days in certain cases. It's amazing. Uh, amazing book, amazing uh, compilation of different uh, cases involving animals. And it's, it is something that we really don't uh, talk about. And actually, that's the, one of the reasons why uh, she put this book together. Uh, and actually, there was another case I wanted to bring up here. Uh, this is from um, page 30 of this book. Uh, actually, before I even get into that, I want to. She, she go, actually goes through all the different kinds of re- possible reasons why these animals might be uh, affected the way they are, and why why dogs might be scared, why cats become skittish and they act scared, why horses are going crazy, while cows are going nuts, chickens are going nuts. I mean, a, a lot of times that's what happens. It could be it could be from sound. She she speculates that it could be from low frequency sound, high frequency sound, sounds that human beings might not be able to hear. Uh, could be from vibrations, the vibrations of these objects. There's a lot of cases where she talks about that. Uh, could be from pressure, the pressure in the air, the air pressure changes. Uh, could be from electro- electromagnetic fields uh, uh, that these objects create. And there could be other reasons that we just have no idea. Uh, we, 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 we might not, maybe it's all done by design. Maybe those rabbits uh, in 1981, maybe the UFO that was hovering around there did, did so somehow deliberately to knock those rabbits out or all animals out for some reason who knows uh but it's it's something that needs to be studied we have no idea that's that's why i'm bringing this up i think it's something that does need to be studied uh i also thought it was interesting like uh she actually commented here on uh there was a case from uh uh, 19, uh that happened in ithaca new york in 1967 where some animals were distressed because of this and uh j allen hynek at the time had commented that the distress of animals is a strong point animals don't hallucinate as humans do and she also points out that uh, uh this, this was interesting she states also and this is very important animal reactions prove that something is happening as opposed to these events simply being the result of overactive imaginations uh, while we can't say exactly what these animals are experiencing, we can conclude that their reactions are honest, unaffected by media stories about UFOs, not influenced by alcohol or drugs, not influenced by the desire for fame or, or money, not attempting to create a hoax, not mistaking the planet Venus, stars, etc. They're completely real and genuine, she concludes. And she's absolutely correct. So there's you, you, the animals can't be part aren't, aren't going to be part of a hoax i mean i know a lot of debunkers out there don't want to believe this right but a, a lot of these cases involve animals that are acting weird or strange or scared or whatever or paralyzed and uh so there's something actually going on here and that's what she's uh, pointing out in this book which i think is really interesting another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, there was one case that she talks about later on in the book. It happened in Ramona, California on October 15th, 1974, where a round craft was uh, seen over a scene that caused numerous animals to react violently uh there was some people here that, that actually witnessed this uh genie beth linda and tony overfelt and pat nielsen saw the craft flying over the santa maria valley and then it appeared to land on a hillside slowly the craft turned ruby red then intensely white it rose up hovered, then traveled at great speed toward them and passed overhead, with the sound being a mix between a hum and a foghorn. Uh, and then later on, she, she states, the animal reactions were even more dramatic. Uh, it says the uh, a NICAP report on the incident stated, horses excitedly whinnied and bucked, one kicked a rail off a fence, one chained dog excitedly, uh, ran excitedly in and out of its doghouse, sometimes smashing into the back of the doghouse with great force. Another dog grasped the sleeve of a girl and tried to pull her into the house. Goats were reported to be jumping around. Chickens were cackling and scrambling about. A cat ran into the side of a garage, stunning itself. So that's just, again, a little taste of what you'll find in this book. But it's uh, really interesting, like, what is going on? here uh these uh, obviously in in a lot of these ufo cases uh many ufo cases there are uh, animals are acting really strange and 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 scared and and freaked out and so obviously something is going on it's not some hallucination by the human witnesses the animals were acting uh scared too and i you know i could actually attest to this because in, in my own experience uh, you know, in 1994, for instance, when I saw a UFO during a nighttime fishing trip, which I bring up a lot of times, of course, I know there's probably be people out there who are like, oh, here we go again. But I just want to point this out for uh, some people who may not have heard this story. But of course, I was fishing at this, uh, at this, in this, uh, at this private lake uh, in Hazel, near Hazleton, Pennsylvania, back in 1994 with my friend Scott. And uh, we were actually fishing in this pond off the lake, and uh, we it was we were night fishing, and not, we weren't catching anything. And then uh, at some point around ten o'clock at night, I turned around to get something out of the tackle box, and uh, we were just we were just shore fishing. We were just sitting along the shore of this little pond, and behind me was this op- uh, behind us was this big uh, this open field with tall grass, and on the perimeter was uh, trees and forest. So I turned around to get something out of the tackle box, and I saw this object floating behind the trees. Like I saw these big bright lights behind trees, and it was and it was moving, and it came from behind the trees into a clearing, and then it started moving toward us. And I pointed out to my friend Scott. I said, "Scott, what the hell is that?" And he's there. I don't know, right? And this thing just completely silent, not making any sound whatsoever. It moved right toward our position. And it was as big as a house. It was only two and a half stories off the ground and uh, made no sound whatsoever. And it had these three giant like headlights on, on the, on the, I guess, the front of it. And it was po- I was standing right in front of it. I was only within 20 feet of this thing, and it was only two and a half stories off the ground. Scott's shining a flashlight on it when he, on the belly. And right when he did that, I got scared. I said, let's get the hell out of there. So we're, we're jumping this pickup truck. We throw all the stuff in there. We're driving out of that place. But we had to stop because there was at least, at least 20 deer running away from the direction that this thing just flew. It. This thing, as we were getting in the truck, it was moving away from us over the uh, over the trees. Uh, and we were driving this dirt road and and the 
deer were running away from the direction where that thing just flew. So uh, I, I gotta I have to totally agree uh, with Linda Zimmerman that there needs to be scientific investigation, serious scientific investigation. Maybe that's one, one of the, the keys to uh, understanding this. Maybe more scientists need to understand uh, actually what's going on with animals here. Well, you know, why are they reacting uh, in strange ways? I mean, how are they becoming paralyzed? I mean, there's, there's, this is an avenue of research that is... Uh, most certainly needs to be tackled by the scientific community. Uh, unfortunately, of course, you know, a lot of people in the scientific community will stay away from something like this uh, because they'll be afraid of uh, uh, the re repercussions they might face from the debunker crowd. I mean, if, if you're a scientist who says, oh, I'm going to start studying animal reactions to UFOs, well, then... Uh, uh, what, what might happen is uh, you, you might get an article put in the newspaper in the New York Post by Stephen Greenstreet who says you are calls you a crackpot or something like that. That's the that's the that could be one of the concerns. Uh, but it is something that needs to be studied uh, for those scientists out there who uh, don't care what anybody thinks. Uh, uh, it is something that should be uh, that needs more research. Obviously, I mean this could be a key to understanding what's going on here and what these beings are up to. And how are they doing this? Like I said, all a lot of the stuff that uh, Linda Zimmerman talks about in her book here, which I highly recommend. Of course, I'll, I'll leave a link so you could, uh, if you want, if you're interested in it, you could pick it up. Uh, it's it's a it's an awesome uh, an awesome compilation of uh, different reports involving animals and UFOs and the reactions uh, to, uh, by these animals. There's a lot more to it than what I'm talking about here, and uh, it's something that the scientific community needs to take a look at. Anyway, um, moving on, uh, I want to talk about some of the recent comments I've been receiving from people uh, uh, with regard to some of the recent episodes. Uh, for my most recent episode, uh, the, the White Hot Majestic 12 documents slash skeptic group circles UFO wiki pages like vultures, I had received a comment on YouTube from Don Click, Don't Click the Channel. And uh, don't click the channel says, love your take, demeanor, and delivery. I hope you continue to release more con content. Just FYI, it's pronounced Northrup. Uh, uh, and he's talking about here is North. I, I guess when I'm talking about Northrop, I'm always calling it Northrop Grumman. Right, it's actually Northrop, Northrop Grumman. So, yeah, I, I obviously, you know, a lot of the shows I do, I, I, I know I mispronounce things sometimes, some of these names, right? And I know I do it a lot with some people's names. I'm certain of that. And uh, but so that's uh, yeah, I, I do try to correct it. And thank you for the correction. Uh, if anybody ever hears me pronouncing something wrong, hey, I, I have no problem. Let me know. And I will make that correction for, for uh, future. Keep that uh, correction in mind for future reference. So it's not Northrop Grumman. Uh, it's Northrop Grumman. Grumman. And uh, also I received a, uh, some comments here recently on uh, on Spotify. Uh, uh, let's see here. I received a comment actually today from David Richardson. He says, uh, he was at, re discussing, I was talking about MJ-12 documents, uh, particularly in, in the previous episode, I was talking about this white hot document, this white hot document that was a, uh, a basically a, a document that was... Uh, put together by uh, Nathan Twining, General Nathan Twining back in 1947 uh, for President Harry Truman. And it was containing all uh, this alleged leaked document uh, th that was allegedly real. Uh, we don't know. There's no evidence one way or another. I think it's real. 
but uh, in that document, uh, there were some signatures on it. And David asks, asks uh, have the signatures ever been authenticated? Well, you know, a lot the signatures ha- do jibe with the actual signatures of the people that uh, signed uh, that uh, allegedly signed this document. But see, the issue is it's hard to authenticate some of the signatures because these are facsimiles. Or the, the the documents usually when they're sent uh, to someone, it's usually on a roll of film where it's a copy, a uh, facsimile. So it's hard to authenticate it that way. But uh, as far as anyone knows, it's, they, they are the signatures. Uh, the actual signatures of the uh, people uh, allegedly involved. Um, let's see here. Um, yeah, uh, Fred says, uh, with, uh, with regard to this, says Stanton Friedman was a believer. If it was a hoax disinformation, then it would have been CIA and their resources and expertise to pull it off. CIA always looking to mix tiny truths in with mostly BS. So what we're talking about here again, it's, it, the MJ-12 documents there's there's been many leaks of alleged MJ12 documents over the years initially the the briefing memo in 1950 from 1952 to uh uh president elect eisenhower that was the first one that was leaked and then later on uh, a document the cutler twining memo was found uh, uh, like a year later i believe in the in the national archives uh and it was actually on the same kind of paper that was an actual document that actually had uh, that was on the same kind of paper that was used for that time period so there were things about that paper that uh tend uh, i guess uh, go to show that it could possibly be authentic and then uh, uh and, and then in the 90s were more documents started to get leaked uh including the special operations manual which was leaked to uh ufo researcher don berliner and then there were a multitude of other documents over the years that have been leaked it's all if you go to this website majesticdocuments.com i'll leave the link again uh in the description so you can check it out there's a lot of different documents i think that some of those documents are faked because some of them could have been faked they could have been easily faked i mean if if someone uh, uh, you know, j- these are just like, say, a one-page document, a one-page letter. Some of them could have been faked. I mean, that's... But when you're talking about this white-hot document, which is extremely involved, or or something like the Special Operations Manual, it, it would be extremely difficult to hoax something like that, like those things. It just would be so difficult. I mean, the time and effort and, and, and expertise and, and, and knowledge involved. I mean, the only people I think if, if, if they were faked, it would have been it could have had to be people within the government that have access to other documents and, and and information as to the whereabouts of certain people on certain dates it just becomes impossible like i always talk about i highly recommend i mean anyone who's interested in the majestic 12 documents should actually check out that that website though i'll leave the link uh, to it again so you can check it out it's it's very there's so much to it and also there's this book from stanton friedman uh top secret magic which i highly recommend i actually read this book several times i, I really enjoy it uh yeah so yeah i i have to in, in a way yeah if it was like i have to agree with fred here it it, it would have had a, if it was faked if the any of these documents these ex, uh these ex, these documents with a lot of of data and information like the like the white hot document that i talked about in the previous episode as well as the special operations manual that those documents it would have had to be people on the inside it couldn't have been just some ufo researcher sitting in his basement it's there it's they're, it's too involved they're just too involved it becomes impossible uh as you when you read these things and you understand it's just 
no way that this just it would have had been on the an inside job i actually think that those documents i'm talking about here the special operations manual the white hot document uh as well as the original uh the one the original leak documents uh, the briefing uh, memo to eisenhower i believe that those were were authentic as for some of the other ones yeah maybe and then some of the other ones you know some of them i, th- I do think that they're they were hoaxed but as for uh those main ones, those big ones that I'm talking about, I don't think that they were hoaxed, unless it was people within the government. Uh, we're probably never going to know, unfortunately. That's 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 the sad part about this. Okay, uh, let's see. Um, uh, moving on, oh, yeah, I wanted to do an update on some of the actual uh, polls that I've conducted recently on Spotify. Uh, I wanted to get caught up on on those. Okay, for the episode opinion, Garrett Graff's new UFO book is designed to deceive. I asked this question: Have you or do you plan to read Garrett Graff's UFO book? Seventy votes so far. Uh, eight people or eleven point four percent say yes, and sixty-two people or eighty-eight point six percent say no. Uh, that's good. I'm glad that's a good good high number because that book's not worth it. It's it's filled with uh it's designed to deceive just like i said in the in, in the uh, uh in the uh title for that episode because it is designed to deceive it's it, it's incomplete it only it offers only one side of the story similarly to how this uh wikipedia group this these debunkers on uh from that guerrilla skepticism on wikipedia organization is uh altering wikipedia pages uh, to their liking uh, and that's really sad uh, and then I also asked this question. Uh, uh, this was for the episode Pentagon puppet uses shi- Pentagon puppet uses shiny object to distract from concerning Elizondo UFO briefing. I asked this question: Should Representative Mike Turner be removed as chairman of the United States House Oversight Committee? Forty-four votes so far. Three people or six point eight percent say no, while forty-one people or ninety-three point two percent say yes. Of course, Mike Turner, he is a puppet, as I talked about in that episode. Uh, I, I believe it's very possible that he was trying to distract people, distract the, the media from, uh, there was, a, a, at the same day when he comes out with this statement saying that there's that we need to declassify certain kind of information, uh, there's these uh, Russian satellite technology that could prove dangerous, it, The same, even though it really wasn't, even though it shouldn't have been a concern at that at this juncture. Uh, he, he, he that was the same day that some people in Congress had met with Lou Elizondo in a closed meeting to talk about UAP, and I think that he might have been taking a preemptive measure to get ahead of that and get everyone else's attention away from from that meeting. Now, not all, not everyone agrees with me on this. Uh, Fred Bowen actually writes. Uh, in a comment, he says, it's possible that Turner was creating a distraction, but it could also be a host of other reasons. I don't see a lot of connective tissue with the hypothesis. There have been multiple briefings in UAP. You know, Fred uh, definitely makes a good point there. You know, it doesn't make me right. That's just my feeling on it. Uh, so yeah, you could most certainly be right. Maybe there's not a lot of connective tissue with the, with the hypothesis that I presented there. And I could be wrong. Like I always state, you know, just because I'm, you know, my opinion doesn't make me right. A lot of times I want, there are only, there are only certain things I know I'm right about, right? I know that there's some non-human intelligence here on this planet because I've seen one of these beings, I encountered one of these beings and I saw one of their crafts. So I know. Right, so that's though. As far as everything else, I'm not sure. Right, but I I I, I do know that uh, there's something here. There's no question about it, and I know that there is a government cover up with regard to this as well. 
Uh, there's no question. There's just too much evidence uh, that shows that there is. Uh, and then also, and then finally, I guess for the uh, most recent episode, uh, the white hot majestic 12 document slash skeptic group circles UFO wiki pages like vultures. I asked this question. Uh, do you believe the white hot MJ 12 document is authentic? So far, there's been 39 votes. Uh, eight people or 20.5% say no. Uh, 12 people or 30.8% say maybe. And 19 people or 48.7% say yes. Uh, I think maybe is a reasonable response. Uh, I, I actually, you know what, any, any of these could be right. I just personally believe, yes, I, I believe it is authentic for reasons I stated in that episode. It's just that it just becomes, I mean, there was so there's, there's, there's a scientific data in there and there's, there's the, the formatting, I mean, of a government documents from that time, it would have taken so much work to try to make something like that and and, and it just becomes impossible and as i talked about in the previous episode i just can't see how it is not authentic i I think that uh it, it it is that's just my opinion again it doesn't make me right and also i did receive some comments uh other comments on this and i just want to point one of them out here yeah william actually writes uh he says this uh, he just can't figure out if if it was for the president why all the redactions. He's talking about the white hot document. Now there was uh, in that white hot document that was leaked in the in the mid 1990s. Uh, there was some portions of this document were blacked out. Well, Williams making a good point here. If it's if if why would there be any redactions? It was a leaked document. Well, maybe the people that were my my answer for that is uh maybe the people who were intended to see that document because obviously that document was written for the president but maybe it was uh later on maybe some years later it was going to be used for something else but some of the information information in that document it wasn't suitable for uh certain people and so they blacked some of it out that's that could be a reason for it maybe there was uh, somebody who did you know they talk about how all of this stuff is compartmented uh, in, in when it comes to the reverse engineering programs, the crash retrieval programs, maybe that uh, the person who that document was given to at, for a read, maybe some years later. I mean, who knows? It could have been say 1960, for instance. Just throwing this out here as a hypothetical, but certain aspects of that document needed to be blacked out because the person they were going to allow to see that document didn't have the uh, uh, wasn't it wasn't allowed, didn't have the clearance to to read certain sections of it. So that's why it was blacked out. And then later on, that same document gets leaked. I'm just saying that that I'm just saying that could have been the reason. Doesn't make me right. Anyway, uh, I want to say uh, thank you all for joining me. Until next time.